Hi, Katie. Welcome to Have You Ever Heard Of, a history podcast. Where we talk about people from history you may or may not have heard of. <laughs> How you doing? Good. How are yeah. you? I am also good. <laughs> That's it. That's the chat. <laughs> Done. Banter over. Done. <laughs> um, we had a massive IKEA delivery today, so... Oh, really? That's really exciting. I'm, I'm like... That is actually exciting. Do did you get meatballs? Oh, you don't eat meatballs. Do it's you? a delivery. Oh, it. it's, they're not going to deliver us meatballs. <laughs> we can ask for me. You can just like order meatballs as part of your delivery. Can you? Sure, certainly. All right. Well, I'm going to check this. I'm sorry, I'm actually making some um, veggie meatballs this evening. So really. Veggie yeah. I don't know if you can even call a veggie meatball a meatball. Because they have vegan meatballs at IKEA now, don't they? Do they? I haven't been there for a while, actually. Maybe we should go. I don't Maybe know why you and I should. would go to IKEA. <laughs> for meatballs? <laughs> just go there and line up for like a week just to get it. I've got them up on the internet. Oh, man. Meatballs. Chicken meatballs. I'll, I'll eat those as well. I mean, that's as, that's as vegan as I'm going. Chicken what meatballs. What meat is Meatballs. Is is it like cow? pork? I think. Oh, you! I can't order it. Oh no! Hang on, can I? Wait. I, I in store only. Shit. Well, You're there right. you go. I proved you wrong. Oh, this is this is disappointing. Really, really, Dan. It's not necessary. <laughs> <laughs> you can get the uh, you can get the cream sauce, but not the meatballs themselves. What what's that all about? That's mad. Why would you want to do that? I don't know. I really don't know why you'd <laughs> want to do any of this. <laughs> the film festival is over. Uh, last week we were talking about um, the film festival and I saw the last film of the film festival, the closing film, which is Ammonite, which was basically portrait of a lady on fire, but with fossils. So if oh, you've okay. seen that film, you understand what I mean. It's uh, like Sasha Ronan and Kate Winslet and, uh, you know, they get into kind of romance, but also there are fossils. So I see. It was awesome, and I'm really pleased. And now I'm like, when am I ever going to go to the cinema again? Yeah, that's over now. <laughs> it's over. It's over. Like everything is over. That that especially the. Also, last week we were talking about the tier system, and we were still in tier one, and now London is in tier two. So a week since we last recorded. Yeah, we cursed. Everything it. has changed. Yeah, we did. Sorry, because London. I was going to see you on Saturday, but now we can't be inside together. Nope. So, alas. Game over. What are you doing the rest of your week? Uh, at the moment, I'm slowly, not that slowly, actually, quite quite rapidly wake, making my way through um, Fear the Walking Dead. So oh, just okay. a bit more Walking Dead. Um, just more zombies, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it seems the right time for it. I've nearly finished um, Haunting of Bly Manor, which has got like some pretty like mediocre reviews. But one, I saw one review on the on the Guardian that gave it one star, really? and then her opening sentence was like, "I'm not really a horror fan." Okay, and I was yeah. like, "But okay, that's why you're giving it one star." The Guardian always do that, though. I mean, like, I like the Guardian, but it does annoy me a lot a lot of the, the time. reviews annoy me a lot what they do yeah. is they they review it twice for two different reviewers yeah. so like the last star wars you know one person gave it five and one person gave it like two and it's like make a decision don't just sit on the fence it's like it has to be pretentious like it has to have like one pretentious like review and then one like what it has to have one like timeout review and then one like review for normal people even though it's meant to be a left-wing publication for the people 
Get over yourself, Guardian. <laughs> Guys, if you want good film reviews, go to Screen Mayhem. It's an awesome website, and my best friend Paul is the like main film reviewer there, and he reviews. He watches every single film. I swear to God, every single film that comes out. So there will be a review on there that will be honest and spoiler-free and short, and you will not find a better film review website than Screen Mayhem. And that's not like a pitch. I don't work for them. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you have to go there. Have you seen that T-shirt? The spoiler T-shirt. So it's like a black T-shirt with red writing all over it, and it's just got all of the spoilers. <laughs> it's got, you know, who dies. I'm not saying any of them, but like, who dies in Harry Potter. He's got like the Star Wars big spoiler. It's got like the Rosebud spoiler. <laughs> it's got everything all over this t shirt, just spoilers. And like, my friend used to have it and just wear it to pubs. And everyone would be like, screw <laughs> you, man. You are an asshole. <laughs> it's the 30th episode today. Is it? The yeah. Big 3 0. The Big 3 0. What were I'm you doing on your 30th birthday, Dan? Uh, I got incredibly drunk and played a, a show, and I can't remember the show at all. <laughs> because all. you were I drunk? Not at all. Yeah, I was so drunk, I don't remember it. Can you all. actually play drunk? Apparently. Apparently so. Apparently so. Um, Apparently it was an alright show. I thought it was terrible. I was like, was it, was it really bad? And they were like, no. Oh, well, there you go. I was, like, I was really drunk, I don't remember it at all. And they are like, oh, were you? Okay. Yeah. You were at my 30th. Yeah, I, that, was, that was a good was one. That was awesome. We just went to the park. Because I'm in August. Well, you're in July, but because I'm in August, it was always an outdoor thing. Yeah, we went to the park and we played on the swings and on the slides and, yeah, had had drinks and had... We played a cub, didn't we, on my 30th? Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, it was good stuff. And then we went home and, and played Mind. If anyone doesn't know Mind, it's it's just 100 cards from 1 to 100, and you sit in complete silence and everyone has cards and the idea is to kind of put them down in numerical order from 1 to 100 without speaking, just like giving each other significant looks. But you're not really <laughs> supposed to communicate with each other. by look. You're just supposed to like be able to read people's cues <laughs> and it's very hard when you're very drunk. It's a great game. I, I, yeah, I went out and bought it straight away afterwards because it's oh, so good. I love good. that. It's so good. Should I tell you about my person? I think you should. I think that's important. For this podcast, that's pretty important. <laughs> okay, I don't know if you're going to know this person. Um, however, mo- a lot of people will know his name. You may know his name. Um, but let's just talk about him. Um, have you ever heard of Sir Robert Walpole? I have. The first Prime Minister. Yes, indeed. So we're going to talk about the first Prime Minister today. Um, and I'll start with like his well early life, and then we'll talk about politics and then we'll talk about personal life because otherwise it gets a bit messy so we'll leave the personal life to the end okay so just as dan said uh robert walpole is known for being the person who invented the office of the prime minister and he is the person who has also held the office for the longest time which is 21 years which is just madness imagine being boris being (laughs) prime minister for 21 years (laughs) So he was born on the 26th of August, 1676, in Horton, Norfolk. His father was also called Robert and was a prominent squire. He was a Whig politician who represented the borough of Castle Rising in the House of Commons. So at this time, yeah, there's no Labour (laughs) and Tories. There's the Whigs and the Tories. Um, Who are basically, we're basically the inheritors of the Whigs. Whigs turned into Liberals, turned into the Dems. 
Well, yeah, the Whigs turned into the Liberal Party. However, most of the Whigs actually merged into the Tory Party when the Whigs... Yeah, so, all yeah. the radicals became the liberals. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'd like I like to think that Walpole was kind of on the liberal side, but maybe you can decide for me. <laughs> His mother was called Mary. I don't know much about her, apart from the fact that she was like a stay-at-home standard mum. He was one of nineteen children. Wow, that's I know that's too a many lot. children. However, only nine survived past infancy, but that's still quite high for you know. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good, Pretty good for the end of 1600s. He was educated first at a private private school in Messingham and then moved to Eton in 1690. Eton. Yeah, quick fact about Eton Prime Ministers. Um, as, as many of you probably realise, there are a lot of people from Eton that are Prime Ministers, including our current Prime Minister, uh, Bojo. If an Eton graduate becomes Prime Minister, then they get a day off. Mm-hmm. Eton get a day off. Really? Yeah. So we're just always getting days off then. But um, yeah, they just have to get days <laughs> off all the time. <laughs> um, but actually, they were annoyed this time because it was during the school holidays, so uh, they didn't get they didn't get a day off. They were annoyed, and I was like, "Well, and one of the people <laughs> from my school was on Love Island, so maybe I should have got a day off." Uh, yeah. So in April 1696, he left Eton, and and on the same day that he like graduated Eton. He started at King's College, Cambridge. So he had, like, no break. No break whatsoever. Um, However, in May 1698, so soon two years later, he actually left Cambridge because his older brother Edward died and he needed to take over administering the family estate because he had become the heir with the death of his older brother. He had actually intended to, like, be a clergyman after Cambridge, but abandoned that after his brother died. Popular profession choice at the time yeah i mean for like second or third males yeah um obviously the first one becomes heir and at this point now he is the first one so um right bit of context british politics at the beginning of the 1700s (laughs) just a little bit of context um so we signed the treaty of the union in 1706 which basically merged um england and scotland and became the new kingdom of great britain Basically, the act dissolved both parliaments and replaced them with a new parliament of the Kingdom of Great Britain based in the English parliament. All the traditions, procedures and standing orders of the English parliament were retained, as were the incumbent officers and English members comprised an overwhelming majority of the new body. It was not even considered necessary to hold a new general election. So basically, it's just English parliament and they just... We're like, we own you now, Scotland. Sorry, Scotland. <laughs> we understand it if you want to leave. <laughs> I mean, if they leave, that's fine, because my dad's <laughs> Scottish, so I'm taking that passport. Yeah, lucky. Um, I'm stuck. After... Can't well, even hey. go to Hong Kong anymore. Yeah, I was going to say, you're from <laughs> Hong Kong. Like, But yeah. So after the Hanoverian king, George I, ascended the throne in 1714, uh, through an act of parliament that a power shift from sovereign kind of began so basically by the end of his reign the position of the ministers who rely on like parliament for support was was cemented and so what i mean by that is at this point by the end of his reign the king was basically just a figurehead you know that like the king and queen they can yeah yeah the only thing they really do is like sign the acts at the (laughs) end and the last person to, to to not sign an act was anne who was previous to this yeah. It was in like 1708. So by this time, 
It was pretty much just a figurehead. Them Georges just wanted to hang out, hang out in uh, Hanover and speak German. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he barely spoke English. So. <laughs> okay, so Walpole's early political career. He entered the Commons in 1701 and was soon seen as a really good debater and asset to the Whigs as a minister. In 1712, the Tories managed to actually get him confined to the Tower of London on some, like, trumped-up charges of corruption. But this, he got out, obviously, and this actually boosted his position and popularity as he was seen as, like, a pseudo-martyr to the Whigs. So, it's just a nice random fact. When George I became king in 1714, he removed the Tories from office and the Whigs came back into power. So, he he did have the power to do that for some bizarre reason. Uh, Walpole became the first Lord of the Treasury and Chancellor of the Exchequer, where he basically excelled in his grasp on financial affairs. So at this time, there wasn't well, there wasn't a prime minister. All the ministers were kind of even. Yeah. Or there were like a couple that were like in charge. But the Chancellor of the Exchequer is still like a good job. So the cabinet of which he was a member was often divided over really important issues. Normally it was Walpole and Lord Townsend on one side and Stanhope and Lord Sunderland on the other. And then in April 1717, Walpole found he really wasn't happy with some of the goings-on in Parliament, or in the Cabinet. They were fighting over foreign policy mainly. Obviously, George I really wanted to put German interests at the heart of everything, Mm -hmm. and Walpole wasn't okay with that. Um, So his side were kind of like, I'm not okay with this, you know, Britain should take precedent, and then the other side were like going with the king because he's like the king. He's got a crown and stuff. <laughs> so basically, um, at that point, Walpole resigned his post in the cabinet and joined the opposition. This doesn't mean he joined the Tory party. It's it's weird. <laughs> yeah, he's just, it's not uh... the same as like somebody going from Tories to Labour or something. It just means that he opposed what the cabinet were doing. Just rebelling against the whip. Yeah, essentially. So, Essentially, but he is, he is basically, he isn't the Chancellor of Exchequer yeah, anymore. Yeah. He said, This was because I could not convene at some things that they were carrying on, and by joining the opposition, he did not intend to make the king uneasy or to embarrass his affairs. So he's not like, you know, trying to go against the king, he just wanted to stand up for what he believed was right. Um, and that began the Whig Party split really, because it was, like, the people that were for Walpole and the people that were for the king. (laughs) And then we have a big event in the country that changes everything. So, have you heard of the South Sea Bubble? Oh, yes. Yeah. So, this is three years later, so in 1720, the South Sea Bubble burst. So, for those of you who don't know what this is, quick explanation. Basically, the South Sea Bubble is when... In 1720, in a return for a loan of £7 million to finance the war against France, the House of Lords passed the South Sea Bill, which allowed the South Sea Company a monopoly in trade in South America. So only this one company could trade in South America. The company underwrote the English national debt, which stood at £30 million, with a promise of 5% interest from the government. So basically they loaned us a load of money in return for shipping rights in South America. Which sounds okay. Fine, that sounds like it might work. <laughs> However, shares immediately rose to 10 times their value. Uh, speculation ran wild and all sorts of companies, some lunatic, some fraudulent, some just op- optimistic, were launched. The country went 
absolutely mental. Stocks increased in all of these and other dodgy schemes and huge fortunes were made. So people were investing in the company, people were starting their own companies to like all sorts of things were going on to do with the South Sea Company. And then the stocks crashed and people all over the country lost their money. Uh, porters and ladies maids who had bought their own carriages became destitute overnight. The clergy, bishops and gentry all lost their life savings. The whole country suffered a catastrophic loss of money and property. Suicides became a daily occurrence. And I have to mention this because if you're a listener, you know how much we love um, generals. The postmaster general took poison and killed himself. <laughs> no way. So it's just like, how many postmaster generals? But yeah, so this, that's This was like also the first time that like normal people had like invested in shares as well. So exactly. just tons of just like normal yeah, people like just people lost People who their were money. like servants and stuff. Yeah. And lost, like, you know, we're finally making something and then yeah. it's all just gone like literally overnight. This is like on par with like the Great Depression sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. It was 16, no, 1720s version yeah. of like the Great Depression. <laughs> but only, all because of this one like loan. Um, so basically the South Sea Company directors were arrested and their estates forfeited, which I'm not like really sure why. Had they had they done something fraudulent? I guess maybe because they increased their stock prices. Mm. I don't know. But Just yeah, an something... example, really, isn't it? Make an example of them. A 1700 version of the stocks. Yes, exactly. Uh, there were 462 members of the House of Commons and 112 peers in the South Sea Company who were involved in the crash. As a result of a parliamentary inquiry, the current Chancellor of the Exchequer, John Aisable, and several members of the parliament were expelled in 1721. King George I also became involved and his two mistresses, the Countess of Darlington <laughs> and the Duchess of Kendal, were heavily involved in the South Sea Company and were blamed by the populace for as being responsible. Walpole, however, had sold his shares just before the crash. Ooh. And he used Shrewd. knowledge and, <laughs> and, like, amazing speaking skills to defend both the crown and the Whigs during the crash. So he just stepped right up. Good man. So, after this, what happened? So, Walpole and George I didn't actually speak the same language, <laughs> as we mentioned. <laughs> Walpole didn't speak French or German, and George's English wasn't great, so they spoke to each other in, like, pig Latin, because that's, like, <laughs> the way forward, right? <laughs> they both knew, like, pig Latin. Oh, that was so funny. I love that. Okay, George wanted someone who could rule in his absence while he spent a lot of time in Hanover and the British people wanted someone who would put them above the interests of Germany and Walpole kind of fit right in the middle he becomes top dog uh, Walpole actually even refused the offer of the peerage because he knew that the commons was harder to control than the lords and he felt that the commons needed his personal attention <laughs> In 1727, George II, who had just come to the throne, tried to remove Walpole, but within a few days it was clear that this wouldn't be happening, as Walpole was the only person who could convince the commons to grant the royal couple a big sum of money. Mm, His queen, Queen Caroline, became really fast friends with Walpole, like they were BFFs. Made himself indispensable. Yeah, basically. Uh, one minister even tried to create a divide between him and the Queen by telling her that Walpole had called her a fat bitch. But she just told him to tell Walpole that the fat bitch had forgiven him. <laughs> That's such a childish, like, playground thing to know. Called you a fat bitch? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> She's like, what? So what if I'm a fat bitch? <laughs> she was a bit of a fat bitch. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so Warpool knew how to manage people. He once said of the opposition party, all these men have their price. So basically at this time, he was kind of like managing the commons, which is kind of, I guess, what the prime minister's supposed yeah. to do. Like, But obviously... <laughs> That's not what happens in reality. <laughs> Unlike many leaders, Walpole was really keen on keeping the peace. Like the country, he didn't want to be in war. He hated the expense of war. He wanted a peaceful country, which I just love that. Oh, He's like, yeah, do you know what? That's very rare at that time. Exactly. He was People like, what's expensive? <laughs> um, can we just, why don't we just like not go to war? <laughs> we could just like invest in, we could like invest in things like education instead. No. Yeah. We want yeah. war. <laughs> war, war, war. Um, <laughs> Basically, he followed this policy for, like, most of his time there, cutting taxes and promoting trade. And during the time, the national debt was reduced by the means of a sinking fund, which was something he actually implemented when he was Chancellor of the Jacker. And interest fell to 3%, which I think is, like, less than it is now. Um, In 1733, he tried to introduce this excise bill, which would have eliminated smuggling of wine and tobacco. Um... But this is really unpopular. <laughs> and he had to abandon it, which basically saved his position. Um, and then, in 1739, the War of Jenkins' Ear against Spain broke out. And that's the best name for a war. That is an incredible name. It's such a good name. Um, what was so his... good about Jenkins' Ear? Or so insulting about Jenkins' Ear? <laughs> I don't what? know. I actually what didn't look it up, to Jenkins be honest. Ear? I mean, it's just one of those many wars they went to with Spain, right? Like, it just all moulds into one, like, let's go to war with Spain, let's go to war with France, no, let's go to war with Spain, let's go to war with France. It's like, just pick a side. Um, or just stay, don't go to war. It's just silly. Um, yeah, so basically his rule reign was called into question because he's really not a war leader. This really made me think of like Churchill and how Churchill was not a peace leader. Yeah. Like he was a rubbish peacetime leader, but he was an excellent like wartime leader. <laughs> and this Walpole's like the opposite. He's a great peacetime leader because he he was really good with the finances and like managing people, but he's not so good with like the actual war bit. Yeah. So- um yeah, so Queen Caroline, who had been his big defender, had died two years earlier. So he was kind of on his own here and his own health was failing. The war started very badly and Warpool took the blame, which is a bit harsh seeing as he didn't want the war in the first place. So in 1741, he was accused in the Commons of making himself the Prime Minister. And there it is. That's where we get the name from. Ah. This was in an insult at the time, oh, being wow. prime minister, implying ambition and self-interest over the interest of the country and the crown. So actually, calling Boris Johnson the prime minister is kind of an insult to him oh, and us. <laughs> so interesting how this happens in like uh, in politics. Because like Tories, the name Tories is an insult, but they've just now adopted it as their actual name. Yeah, they're I happy mean, with that name. They're like. Say so what I'm a Tory. Do you know I hate secret Tories? <laughs> yeah. Like when you're like meet someone, you're like, oh, this person's really cool, like getting, you know, talking about stuff, and then it turns out they're a massive Tory, and you're like, you deceived no. me. I feel deceived. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Deception. Like, oh, um, how did you oh. hide that from me? <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Take off your mask. <laughs> um. So basically, Warple managed to hang on for a little while, but then in February. 
1742, who lost control of the Commons under a vote of no confidence and resigned. He was elevated to the House of Lords, which he actually called an insignificant position. <laughs> he realised that the House I of mean, Lords was just like, you know. It pretty much is. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> I've heard some crazy tales about how House of Lords, you know how like in the House of Lords you get paid like a daily rate when you turn up? Oh yeah. And there's a guy who just sits there and like looks around and writes down the names of people there. And there's there's a story of one guy. I don't know which lord it is. I think I don't know if they said which lord it was in the story, but he just he got a black cab to the, the House of Lords. Yeah. Told the cab to wait outside. Went, in, went in. Made sure he got like noticed by the, the guy register. who wrote some people's names, and then left. <laughs> That's just that. madness. Like some people it, take it really really seriously, and I really appreciate these people, but some people would take that def- absolutely purse. Desperately needs reform so badly. Though I'm not, I'm not, I'm not behind like a, an entirely. A um, Let's just have a coup. Uh, Me like and an, you. <laughs> like an entirely like um, elected ha- like second house though, because then all you're going to do is just replicate what you have in the House of Commons. I don't mind like the idea of House of Lords. I just think it should be more representative. Yeah, it should be kind of like but voted who on them? by um, by kind of like industry like unions. I think. Yeah, so maybe. It just, but then me and you are union people and some people yeah. aren't. Or just kind of like associations. Not like necessarily unions, but kind of yeah. like... Join just the so you union, get like specialists from different like areas in there somehow. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Anyway, mm. let's reform politics yeah. this week. <laughs> we'll go back to you next week, everyone. <laughs> let's talk about personal life. Walpole wanted to, to look like a man of the people. He would like eat apples in the commons just like stand there eating apples and he told people that he opened the letters from his gamekeeper before those to do with government business so if you want to look like a man of the people why don't you just open the letters from your gamekeeper first (laughs) because we've all got a gamekeeper and eating apples just just so simple it's so simple you just need to eat an apple tweet now from the commons speaking of gamekeeper like everyone's heard the joke of the government's uh career yeah, like, I haven't done it, but I reckon I've come it. out as like something that, ridiculous. That's what when I got gamekeeper. I could. See I need that. to go. I need to go back to the like to the 1700s and be a gamekeeper. <laughs> get the kings. Get the king ready for his hunts. But if you went back to the 1700s, they'd be like, "What is this Asian man doing here?" <laughs> Everyone would be looking at you like you absolutely. Weirdo. I suppose I probably would see uh gamekeeper that mate just doing something that, it's okay he doesn't speak he just looks after the animals don't speak the mysterious man. man from the east <laughs> i love that i would love to be well i was about to say i would love to be a mysterious man from the east but i'm no not from the east i'm not a man or mysterious to be honest okay so, yeah. so Walpole he loved hunting in richmond park and he said of himself that he was no saint no spartan and no reformer he was completely uninterested in literature but he did take offence to the portrait of himself in the Beggar's Opera, so much so that he passed a law saying that all new plays had to be approved by the Lord Chamberlain, which held until 1968. Oh, <laughs> and I really? think we've talked oh, about this before, how there's like doing? there was a guy who had to approve new plays. It's just weird. Anyway. What are you doing, Robbie? That's censorship. It was just weird as well. Just, <laughs> do you know what? I, I want someone to approve all plays from now on. Because <laughs> he was a portrayed like a thief in this Beggar's Opera anyway. So Walpole's first wife was called Catherine Shorter. He married in 1700. Her dowry's £20,000. Um, she was like, you know, nice and educated and all that, you know. And Shorter? Proper. 
shorter than him. <laughs> he was quite fat. I don't know if he was like tall, but he was he was fat. Um. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so they had, together they had two daughters and three sons, and then she died in 1737, um, so this is when he's still in office, and was buried at Westminster Abbey. So like a lot of 18th century men, <laughs> he actually had a mistress who was 25 years younger than he was. Oh boy. Uh, her name was Maria Skerritt, I think that's how you pronounce it, and he actually married her after the death of Catherine, which is quite unusual. She was like this fashionable socialite lady. And they had actually been living openly together for nearly 10 years before the death of Catherine. I mean, like, like how old was just he? Living with and his how old was her at that time? She. <laughs> oh, I don't know. So I think they were, but they were going on, they were going out together for like 10 years. So. Oh boy. I don't know. But, um. I'm just imagining him as Alan Partridge now. Saying, so in 1739, he's like 50 something, coming up to 60. So she must have been like 30. So they probably met when she was like 20 and he was like 50 or something. Okay. 25, 50. Oh boy. Or yeah. So, yeah. So then he married her after the death of his first wife. And they were only together for about a year and a bit because um, they had a daughter called Maria. And then she actually died the new wife, Maria, in June of 1739, following a miscarriage. Yeah, so um, he was, like, completely distraught. He said that she was, like, his only bit of happiness. And he actually suffered, like, quite a severe illness after her death, like, brought on by, like, the depression or whatever. It's just not worth it. Don't have kids in the 1700s. I'm going to warn you people in the 1700s. You're going to come back as a gamekeeper, the mysterious man from the East gamekeeper, and you're going to warn everyone, just don't have kids. Don't have them kids. Basically means you can't have sex because the contraception really was disgusting at that time. It was the worst. leather sheath. Although, no, so You have to reuse that as well. Mm. Or just like track your cycle, ladies. Um, With With an 18th century app. When you're like a, cal- century, a, a calendar, a <laughs> calendar. <laughs> <laughs> so eighteenth century. <laughs> yeah. So Lord Chesterfield said of Warple, he was good-natured, cheerful, and social, but loose with his morals. He was the ablest manager of Parliament that I believe ever lived. He was so clear in speaking that the most ignorant thought that they understood what they really did not. And I love that. I love that sentence. It's like he made people who didn't understand what he meant think that they understood what he meant, which means that he was like a really good persuader, but just because of the way that he naturally was. Does that make sense? So he could convince people like his idea was their idea. I mean, that's why he was prime minister for 21 years. (laughs) Warple used the money he gained while in office to build Horton Hall in Norfolk. Uh, which he filled with his large collection of paintings, uh, which were later sold to Catherine the Great. See ah. a previous episode. <laughs> and it's still there in like St. Petersburg in some museum. Oh, wow. So his house his house is not like a National Trust house now? Yeah, I think it is, yeah. Is Horton it? Hall. I am yeah. going there. I love National Trust house. Love Me it. too. Uh, they're probably closed. Yeah. But let's go when they're open. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a National Trust party when it's... Uh... When this is all over, celebrate big time with some well, national trust Well, I want to go to Clifton, which is a nas- <laughs> um, national trust house, which is the 
episode one where Christine Keeler met John Primo, I, I want to go and stand by the swimming pool where they met and be like, this is where it happened. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, but it's closed. But we're, we're, we should go, definitely. <laughs> so even though he was very wealthy, his debts, debts were actually larger than his wealth and were not fully paid off until many years after his death. And probably because right. he bought too much art. Um, in 1745, Walpole died from a lacerated bladder caused by a remedy Ooh. he had taken for kidney stones. Oh. So 1700s Ooh. remedy killed him, basically. And what was this re- remedy? Oh, just I don't swallow know. some I didn't razor look it blades. Up. Yeah, exactly. Just swallow some razor blades. They'll go and they'll chop up the uh, oh, the God. kidney stones and then you'll be good to go. Something like that, probably. Some, so, some sort of like, well, unless, if it was lacerated blood, it was probably some sort of like drink, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh. Grim. Anyway, um, he was pretty old though, 1745, so I mean, that's 70-odd? Yeah, that's pretty good for that time. Yeah, that's like pretty 70. Good so pretty good, well, 69. And it wasn't gout, so... Not this gout, time. It wasn't dropsy. I mean, it well would done. have been gout if it hadn't been. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, in terms of legacy, obviously Walpole has a great legacy. Firstly, the Whigs became the leading party, and the Tories became smaller and insignificant. I wish they were still small and insignificant, however, alas. His power stemmed from his personal influence rather than his office. So it was actually him that was persuading people, not just the name of the office. Uh, he relied on the power of the king rather than the support of the house in his later ty- years, especially like with Caroline being his BFF. He managed to keep Britain peaceful. The Jacobite threat ended soon after his term ended and he secured the position of the Hanoverian dynasty with all the Georges, as we just said. And I do love them Georges. We love them Georges. Uh, it's four in a row, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's Anne and then George, 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 William, Victoria. Yeah. William, William, Henry, Stephen, Henry, Richard, John. Uh, <laughs> it's good. Anyway, you should look up the Horrible Histories King's Queen song. It will change your life. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, another legacy was that of 10 Downing Street. So George II offered it to Walpole as a personal gift in 1732. But Walpole said it should become the official residence of the First Lord of the Treasury. And that's oh. how, how 10 Downing Street became a thing so i heard on a different podcast the 10 downing street used to be number four downing street this is the podcast i trust with with history facts however (laughs) (laughs) i looked on the good old internet on a number of websites and i couldn't find any actual historical evidence that used to be number four but i'm just going to tell you the fact anyway because it's an interesting fact that it was four but i don't know if that's actually a real fact so someone can find some historical evidence that that's true please let me know because I mean, I didn't look, like, really hard, but, like, I looked, and I couldn't see it. Let's check out the layout of that street now. But I guess there's a... It was, yeah, because it was, like, um, number one to eight were, like, part of a different, like, a bit. Like, number one to eight were, like, part of a different bit, and then numbers mm-hmm. nine to, like, 20 or whatever it is. Because it's only, like, 20 houses or something. Um, though, obviously, Boris lives in number 11, not number 10, because, yeah. famously, number 11 is bigger. Yeah, and Tony started that little... uh... Yeah, because, well, he had, like, a wife and four kids, and at that time, Gordon Brown had... Do you have any kids at home? Maybe not. Mm, Maybe they're older. But anyway, um, and Walpole is immortalised in St. Stephen's Hall, which is in Parliament, so if you visit um, Parliament, you'll go through St. Stephen's Hall, and you'll see a statue of Walpole. And that is the story of the first Prime Minister... That was a good one. That was a goodie. That was a good. That was a good one for the thirtieth. Yeah, 30th. I don't know how do I feel about Walpole. Like, 
obviously I really love that he kept the the country peaceful. That's yeah. like to me that's really important because war is really expensive and a lot of the time completely unnecessary. Yeah. Um and that really like touches me. However, I do think he was probably a bit of like a you know a bit of a talker. Mm. Talk, talk said things that probably weren't a hundred percent true. But you know, he did some good things for the country and you know I don't think he was just because he had a mistress, like at that time it was like really, really normal. Yeah, everyone had a so mistress. I can't really put him down. And for like that. his wife was probably having all the affairs as well. Everyone had everyone was having him. Yeah, they were Across just normal. the board. Can we bring that back? Not that I want to have an affair. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think that like it would be better not me but like if the queen was just having an affair and everyone just knew about it it'd be so good do you not think that'd would, be really good it would make them look less dour and he was ruling through the uh, through the monarchy as well rather than the parliament that's kind of like pulling away from like the the development of parliamentary power but then again parliament was pretty corrupt back then like yeah lots of rotten boroughs so, I mean like none of them were getting like voted in on the popular vote were they I mean it was just weird that the system was in development so it wasn't like first past the post that we have now yeah. it's just a really weird bizarre system where all of the men and yes of course they were all men mm-hmm. were you know just like voted in willy nilly for some yeah they had yeah. elections but not sure how like the ele- the electorate was like in some in some uh, constituencies with like five voters. Yeah, exactly. One, and you could like buy. <laughs> yeah, buy your constituency. buy votes basically. Yeah. Um, oh, speaking of that, I want to recommend a podcast. Um, it's a conspiracy theories podcast, which is one of the podcast podcasts. <laughs> um, it's been going okay. a really long time actually, so some of you probably already know it. But I just listened to the episode about Edgar Allan Poe's death. Um, which is a big conspiracy. So okay. those of you who know about this, it's like Edgar Allan Poe uh, officially died of alcohol poisoning. There's a lot of people who are like, this isn't true. Like he was about to marry the love of his life, like his childhood sweetheart. Why would he have gone this massive bender? It doesn't make any sense. He wasn't a big drinker at the time. So there's loads of conspiracy theories about whether he was embroiled in like some sort of votes plot, like to okay. buy, to get sell his votes or something yeah that it's a really good episode they do two episodes they do one that's like tells the regular story and then they do a second episode about the conspiracy theory so it's really good it's like every monday and wednesday so check out conspiracy theories yeah i just that one was like a couple of weeks ago and the one that's this week is the iran contra one which is about reagan and the iran scandal which is actually a really mad story in general. Yeah, that's so. mad. Yeah, that's proper mad. <laughs> Go and listen to the Iran Contra <laughs> one just to hear the actual mad. The actual story is mad. Never mind the conspiracy. So, what are you can do now, Dan? Uh, I need to figure out what the hell I'm making for dinner. What have you got in your fridge? Not much. I'm going to have to go out again Every to the outside day. world, <laughs> to the goddamn outside world, and get some food. I'm not thrilled about that. No, that's not thrilling. You could just order something. <laughs> you could try and order. I could. <laughs> Yeah. You can make meatballs. There you go. Yeah. I don't know. I think I might try and make Mexican food. Not try, mate. I will successfully make some very good Mexican food, but I have to go out and get some stuff. Oh, wow. I love your confidence. I make it all the time. It's one of my specialities. Oh, wow. That would be great if I was good with spicy food. (laughs) (laughs) Are you not? No. No meat, no spice. No, I don't mind a bit of spice. I'm just not good with like hot, hot, hot. Okay, then. That's why I like I can eat like um, Oaxaca. I'm good. I'm fine with Oaxaca. 
Yeah. So that level of spice is fine. Also, they have the best cocktails. They don't. Um, I miss when the world was good. (laughs) Yeah. And we could go to a hacker and go do what we want. I think that's why I'm uh, feeling down the uh, prospect of another lockdown. I just want to fucking go traveling. I I think it's going to happen. That's all right, I'll put explicit That's on. Right. <laughs> I, was, I, I said the word bitch a couple of times, so... I need to go travelling, goddammit. Well, I hope like the world opens up again when my contract ends, because I'm just going to not renew, and I'm just going to go actual backpacking for like a, mi- a month or something. Actual backpacking. <laughs> um, okay, well, before Dan disappears, we should listen to all our episodes. You can follow, uh, subscribe wherever you're listening to this, and also rate us, which would be really, really appreciated. Yeah, rack up them stars. And also follow us on social media to see us typing things on the internet at uh, Have You Ever Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And pictures, actually, because that's what Instagram is, isn't it? That is what it is. That's well what this is all about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, come back next time for what people you may or may not have heard of. Bye. Bye. Bye.